Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, Hi. Madeline. Madeline, yes. so nice to see I'm you Celeste's again. friend, yes. How have you been? Good, good. The kids are good. How are you? I can't complain. Actually, I can. My son is dead. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicates. I'm your host, Armand Haddad, the season where I explain a cinematic adaptations of beloved stories. Today we are looking at the TV adaptation of Big Little Lies by Lane Moriarty. But before we investigate a murder on a seaside town, I am joined by two very special guests, Hope Johansson and Madeline Rancor. They are two actresses based in New York City. Madeline recently released her directorial debut with Toot Sewell and is now being shown in the film festival circuits. Hope is currently directing Ivories, a horror off-Broadway production. However, you can find both of them on your favorite podcast app as hosts of The Cinema Checks. Madeline and Hope, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having us again. It was so much fun when we talked to you about Normal People, another one of my favorite limited series. So I'm so excited to come back to Syndicate and talk about Big Little Lies. Absolutely. Great to be here. Yeah. So last time, like you just said, we talked about Normal People, a female-driven TV show. So now you come back again with another female-driven TV show, star-studded cast of awesome female actresses. So before we jump into today's discussion, since this was your guys' recommendation, how did you first hear about the TV series Big Little Lies? Well, actually, I read the book when I was in high school. So I knew it as the book first, and I was obsessed with it. So when the news came out that it was becoming a TV series, I was over the moon. 
I don't even remember when I heard about it. I think it was one of those shows that I didn't have HBO Max at the time. My dad had just canceled it. And there's like this <laughs> bargain store nearby me. It's basically like if like a warehouse burns down or something like that, then they get all the leftovers. And they had a DVD of season one of Big Little Eyes. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'd been wanting to see this. So I bought it, which I would never buy a DVD now in this Literally wasn't even that long ago, but I was like, this is my only way to watch it without having to pay a million dollars a month <laughs> or having my dad do it or beg him to you know, pay for HBO Max. So I bought it and oh my gosh, I watched it so quickly. And then I had my mom watch it and then I had my sister watch it. And then when season two came out, I rewatched season one because it had been a while. And this is just a show that I feel like I'm constantly like no matter how long it's been since I've watched it I'm constantly like reminded of moments in it and I'm mentioning it to friends like oh my gosh how have you not seen it like I could literally list on my hand like a handful of friends that I've told within the past week like you need to watch Big Little Lies and especially being an actor the performances in this I'm absolutely obsessed with it and it's Oh, my favorite actresses like filling up the cast. So honestly, um, I was not disappointed when I started watching this. So in preparation for this episode, we read the book. Hope I was impressed that, oh, well, not surprised, I should say. I'm, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't surprised because you're such a bookworm. I am. I do have to say there are major differences between the book and the TV adaptation, which we'll get into. But for me... I heard about Big Little Lies after the fact of it airing simply because of its cast, because it's so star-studded, and I'm a big fan of Nicole Kidman, and mm -hmm. I was like blown away that she was you know, starring in this TV show on HBO, because you know she usually does movies. Uh, some of my favorite movies star her, and awesome to see her you know, on the small screen, but the big screen, because HBO. I was very impressed with the storytelling with this show. Like, on its surface, it's like a murder mystery, but it's so much more than that. Absolutely. What drew me into this story was not like, like, who did it? Who killed this person? We don't know who died. What really drew me in was the interpersonal dynamics between all of these different families. And it's really, sometimes it's tough to watch, but I thought it was really really good television. Yeah, that's also one of my favorite parts about this is that it takes place in a town that is bigger than where I grew up, but still not a major city. But seeing how the people that live here are so intertwined with each other and that unravels throughout the story and you're finding out, oh my gosh, this character is connected to that character from this and they have this past and they have this history makes it yeah, like you said, great storytelling and so interesting. And I think my favorite part about it is that it is a female-driven story. And all of the characters, I mean, even in the book, it starts off by saying, like, these are the kinds of women that care about their weight and it, the difference of, like, the fathers and the mothers and just the kind of person that this is. And especially 
living on the Upper East Side, I, I feel like I kind of see the East Coast version of this woman every day and, and nothing against them. But you may look at them and think like, wow, they have it all because they have money and they have power and they don't work maybe or something like that. And that is a lot of these characters in this story, like thinking about Reese Witherspoon's character. You know, I don't, I think she's a realtor if I'm correct, but it almost seems like they have these like jobs along with their husbands and, you know, she works at the theater and stuff like that. And maybe they're able to do a little bit more than the average person that really is grinding at the pavement, like struggling would, but they make such full people. You don't look at this person as like, only focused on this. And like, I don't know, there's just so much depth to these people. And I think in real life, when you look at somebody maybe in this place, you might not think that. Uh, and I feel like that's a common like misconception. And especially because it's, it's women and people will be like, oh, a trophy wife. Like you might look at these women as trophy wives, but they're so complex. And I love how they really take time diving into each person's story. And I never felt like, oh, I really know that woman more than the others, or I know this one more, it perfectly sections time and spotlights a different character. But just when you feel like, okay, I've learned a lot about her, it switches to the next. And I just, I feel like that's really, really brilliant and something that if I were to write my own series or I don't, I don't see myself writing a book, but if I did, I, this is like definitely a inspirational piece because I think they did that like masterfully. I, I agree. Sorry, that's my tangent. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's not a tangent at all. Because like um even here in Chicago, like I see those people too. Like I, I know the specific neighborhoods where those people are and even outside the city in the suburbs there's very, very, very affluent areas where typically, stereotypically, you know, the husband is the breadwinner and then like these housewives are doing whatever but what's interesting about big little lies like you said is that they're much more than just trophy wives they have like their own things going on like celeste one of the main characters portrayed by nicole kidman she had her law firm and she couldn't really get into it because of her husband for multiple reasons and that seems to be like a common thread because Madeline's character, Madeline, Madeline. Is this why we're watching the TV show? <laughs> I, I have to say there was a, a pull for that because I'm a huge Reese Witherspoon fan and watching mm -hmm. this show and her character had the same name as me. And I've been told by a few people that I, I act a little bit similar to her and she also <laughs> is in the theater. So watching this, whenever she makes a, a bad decision, which uh, she makes many, I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I'm not like that, Madeline. <laughs> I spell my name differently, though, so that's what I have going for me. <laughs> the biggest uh, distraction in the show was everyone pronounces it Madeline, except for Laura Dern's character, Renata. She says Madeline. And I'm like, well, which one is it? Oh, is it Madeline right. or Madeline? <laughs> Laura Dern just has to be different. <laughs> She's that's always funny. different. So, yeah, I was really, really, really impressed with this TV show, and... You know, other than the female stars, we have like a lot of male actors that are, you know, I would say big names. They have Alexander Skarsgård, who I know from True Blood, and Adam Scott, Parks and Rec, of course. Adam Scott was such a bizarre choice for this show, I thought at first. <laughs> but then once 
you actually get to watch his performance. I have so much respect for him. I mean, he's fantastic mm. with comedy, but seeing him in this role in this very sinister show too is just I I love it. I want I want more dramatic Adam Scott. And Adam Scott married mm-hmm. to Reese Witherspoon is just also everything. Well, I think it's genius casting in terms of what they did with Madeline and or Madeline. Um <laughs> their marriage because reading the book I would not think of Adam Scott as Ed, her husband, but one of the major differences that they did during the making the TV show from the book is Madeline. Ha- I keep saying Madeline because I'm read. I, I don't think it's of either her one. Name, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, Laura Dern. Yeah, <laughs> um, Madeline has an affair in the TV show, which she doesn't mm-hmm. in the book. And I mean, I I don't mean it like Adam Scott justifies that. I don't mean it by any means. But I think that in terms of like relating him to Alexander Skarsgård, like, I think it makes Madeline's character seem even more like she wears the pants in the marriage and like she runs the game. And I feel like if they would have like, I don't know, put an actor maybe like, I don't know, like Alexander Skarsgård in the role of Ed, it wouldn't maybe make sense. And I feel like Madeline feels like she has this power over him and she's the dominant Mm -hmm. one that she can like have this affair. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, not that it even justifies the affair, but I don't know if they would have maybe put a different actor, if it would have, the power dynamic would have made as much sense. Right. Because you have Alexander Skarsgård who is like, a statue come to life like he is mm-hmm. like a perfect specimen of a, a man and very masculine looking and then you have adam scott who you know rises to fame being a comedic relief in parks and rec and he's kind of soft and uh tender and if you were to reverse those two actors it'd be kind of silly maybe it'll turn into a comedy right right yeah i think every single one of these characters had pitch perfect acting and pitch perfect casting too. Like I can't picture because when I was reading the book, I read the. I mean, I watched the show first, then I read the book, and seeing these characters in the book, I'm like, of course, of course, you would cast Nicole Kidman as Celeste. Of course, you would have Reese Witherspoon as Madeline, and Adam Scott as Ed, and Alexander Skarsgård as Perry. Like I could totally see these actors, you know, in these roles. Like it's. It's kind of like a lightning in a bottle TV show because like Mm -hmm. plenty of movies, plenty of TV shows, when you have like so many A-listers in it, it's kind of like too many chefs in the kitchen where like it's not good, even though you expect it to be good. It's like, oh, you have all these big names and then it's not that great. Yeah, I I don't know who else they would cast in these roles, honestly. Like I... I'm also just a huge fan of all of these actresses, so I can't imagine anyone else in their place. And I can't even imagine, like, the actresses playing one of the other roles. Like, I think they put them perfectly. Like, I feel like, of course, it makes sense for these actresses to be part of this project, but I feel like each of them portray their character perfectly. And I don't know, it it just works so well. So before we go any further, Hope, Madeline, you know what time it is. It's time for some elevator pitches. Please stand clear of the closing door. So for those that don't know, if you're selling a movie to a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So today on Syndicate, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. So since I have two guests, 
I'm going to split that time between 30 seconds. So, Madeline, I'm going to have you start, and then hope you're going to finish Madeline's pitch. Are you two ready? So ready. Okay, we are going to start the 60-second elevator pitch in three, two, one, go. So Big Little Lies is a story of a group of women, and they may seem one-sided, but there's so much complexities to them, and all of their lives are so intertwined. They have issues with their children. They have issues at the school. They have issues between the kids. They have issues between the wives. They have issues with their husbands. They have issues with their mother-in-laws. And I think that's a part that everyone can relate to is because we all have issues in our lives, and whether you see it on the front or not, it's there. Girl bosses, murder, <laughs> secrets, it's all entwined. We have relational drama. We have friendship drama. We have family drama. There is everything for everyone here. But also be aware, there are a lot of trigger warnings uh, around some sensitive issues. So not for everyone, but so good. Wow, with two seconds to spare. That is incredible. <laughs> Yeah, you summed up the entire show. So, yeah, I mean, this is not for the faint of heart at all. We get into some very serious subject matter, but there's also some moments of levity. Not many moments, but they're there. And like you said, girl bosses from start to finish. <laughs> and the big thing that we haven't yet talked about, the elephant in the room, which is Meryl Streep. So she is in this show, and I would say, in my opinion, my humble opinion, she outacted everybody in that entire show i forgot it was even male street at points yeah i just remember circulating around because i i had a big hiatus in between watching season one and season two that was due to me begging my father to re-get HBO Max. <laughs> so during that time i had you know then i had to rewatch season one because it'd been so long but I had been seeing circulating around like my acting friends, just this like headline necklace acting. And I was like, what are they talking about? Meryl Streep necklace acting. And it's in this one scene and she's just like playing with her necklaces. Yeah. And it's just moments like that, that she is so in the scene. And mind you, the necklace, if I'm remembering correctly, is a cross. So now it even has more symbolism. And she's like fidgeting with this cross. And it's just moments like that. She butts heads with Nicole Kidman's character. And it's so interesting because she wasn't in season one. But when she comes into season two, we already have this strong connection to all of the characters that we knew and loved or hated in the first season. And when Meryl Streep comes in, she immediately grabs our attention, which I think is like such a testament to her performance because, I mean, we talked about this sort of on our um, episode talking about A Quiet Place Part 2, where the lead in that was not in the first movie, or one of the leads, was not in the first movie and how hard it must be to join something that has such high praises and like, where do I make my place? How do I carve out like my character and make people, you know, want to follow my story because they didn't come into this thinking that. So, I mean, of course, it's Meryl Streep and anyone seeing that she's in the cast is, of course, going to be interested. And I mean, she did not disappoint. I was obsessed with her performance. I, I don't even know if they're doing a season three. I'm not positive, but I hope that she continues with this story because she's just so incredible. Yeah. So her character, Mary Louise, I was blown away because like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to admit something. I'm not the biggest Meryl Streep fan. I'm, I, I respect her. Oh. I think she's a phenomenal 
actor, but like I don't know. I I like the other actors better. I like okay. Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon. But like, oh my god, she was so good. And because like she transformed into a different character. So she plays uh Perry's mother. So yeah, let's let's get into the plot. So because we can't really talk about her character in, until we get into this plot. As you said, it's a seaside town where you know some some shenanigans are happening with all the different characters. And what would you say is the inciting incident for this TV show? Well, I feel like we the way that it kind of unravels to us is really smart and almost backwards in a way. Like we find out what has happened and then we find out how it happened. And I feel like this all sort of comes together when they find out how the wives are all intertwined. And that sort of the new the new girl in town, I mean, she's not a wife, the mother's rather. The new girl in town, Shailene Woodley's character, is the mother of Ziggy. And she's a single mom. Jane is her character. And we learned that Ziggy is the child of Perry, who is married to Celeste Nicole Kidman's character. It, this sounds all intertwined, and it's because it really is. I can't really simplify it all that much. But Jane's character has a child with Celeste's husband so but it was not like a happy moment it was a trigger warning it was because of like sexual assault and a rape incident so that is extremely i mean at least i was shocked when that kind of unraveled in the story and i was like oh my God, like glued to the screen. But we also know from Celeste and Perry's relationship that they have a very bad and violent marriage. And I think that is one of the things that is like very, very hard to watch in this show. But I think that they do it in a way that is so, it it doesn't ever feel like, oh, we're doing this to shock you or like, oh, we're doing this because like it adds spice to the show. Like it didn't feel flashy or cheap to me, at least. I felt like every time that we were, it was brought to our attention that they have a very violent marriage. It was because it was going to be useful to the audience. Like it was because we needed to see that. And I think that's something that I often struggle with in TV is really any form of intimacy, it's like, okay, did we need to see that? Like, why, you know, why are we like, you're just showing that because you want the audience to like, get interested all of a sudden. But I didn't feel like that with this. And I think that was very smart of them to handle this carefully. I mean, it it just, it comes to mind immediately. I watched this, I gosh, I think I was 16 or 17. And I remember this lady in my town, she had been posting about how she was watching the show on Facebook. And I commented and was like, oh yeah, I love the show. And she kind of went off on me in the comments. Hopefully she's not going to listen to this. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. But um, she went off on me in the comments and was like, I can't believe you're watching that show. There's so much sexual violence and so awful for you to watch. It's rated R. And here I was like, okay, first Straight of all. Straight to TVMA, first of all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I was like, okay, first of all, like, you're not my mom. And second <laughs> of all, it's it just handled so smart to me that I never took it as like, obviously is awful to watch, but I don't think as a viewer, you're going to watch it in a malicious way. I think you you watch and if anything, you're learning from it. At least that's what I took because- 
thank God I have not experienced this in my personal life or within my circle as far as I know. And that's, I think, another huge part of this story is the people around them don't know about this. And it's such a private thing that happens within their household. And this is something that maybe a lot of people don't see, thankfully. And if anything, it makes them more aware of these situations and how you don't really know what's going on in every household. You don't know why maybe not everyone's so happy in their marriage. And yeah, I could go on and on, but I really think also you have two incredibly talented actors working in this scene. And I I think that they probably did a lot of intimacy training and probably a lot of like research and stuff like that. And it just, it felt very careful, which I appreciated. I I completely agree with the educational view of this. And again, I don't think any of this was done as as a shock factor. It's real life. These things Mm. do happen. I mean, yes, it's in the book and in the television series. It's written as, you know, heightened language, heightened drama. But that's not to say that people don't have experiences like this. So for some people, I'm sure it is a validation of what has happened to them. And I don't want to say a normalization, but a sense of understanding of solidarity that you're not alone. And, you know, the fascinating part about their relationship, too, is that throughout most of it, like even though there are these moments of violence, they're still choosing to stay together there's still that connection between the two of them which is something that happens all the time in uh, abusive relationships and that's why they continue so for for so many reasons i think this is such an important series and book because it talks about issues usually that women face but that anyone can go through of different forms of abuse and who they can come from and why people still stay in these situations and why they feel like they can't escape and so on and so forth. So I I definitely agree that one, you can watch this on surface level, have a fantastic time, but two, it's a great tool for eye-opening and understanding of the world and just like a study of humanity. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, let's further unpack celeste and perry's marriage so yeah like like you said this wasn't they have a very tumultuous relationship it's it's very hostile and it's very complex at the same time uh, with these two characters and like you said it's not there to be gratuitous it's not there to be sensational it's telling a very real story just like with normal people like a lot of people talk about like representation with like superficial things like you know like asian african-american lgbt but i think a thing that people also need to focus in on is representation with like relationships that people have and a very real thing within unfortunately a lot of relationships is that it becomes toxic and then people just can't leave for they all have their reasons why they don't want to leave and with these characters celeste still loves her husband what do you do when your husband is abusive to you? And then in the book, it further muddies the water because... 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Nicole Kidman at times chooses to escalate the situation. And I don't really understand fully why she does that. I don't, I don't think it's explained fully because like she's kind of like stuck in this bad situation because of her kids. She doesn't want to leave the kids with, with like a broken home, but like, the home's already broken because, like, your husband is, like, treating you really bad. And it's it's very complex. And it's very sad. But, like, that's a central issue. And it brings light to those who are being affected by this. And it's, it kind of says, like, like you said, hope, solidarity that you're not alone. Yeah, in terms of, you know, bringing representation to these sort of relationships, I think it's interesting how this all ended up how in the book and the show it takes a different turn from each other in the book she ends up giving a speech about abuse which i think is very powerful and then in the show she kind of keeps it under wraps which in both situations that's that's true that's not like oh nobody would do that sometimes people feel empowered after these situations and want to speak out about them and then in other times it's hard for a survivor to do that. And I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly what their motive was to go different ways. And I'm not sure if it was maybe a choice that Nicole Kidman made with the writers or the writers chose this because it maybe would be better to lead on to more seasons, which I, I did just look, they are thinking or they're hoping to do a third season, but it's very hard with scheduling. And I'm Breaking sure the news. pandemic did not... <laughs> I'm sure the pandemic did not help because now everyone's projects are pushed back even more, but it looks like hopefully we will get a third season soon. And I'm praying that I will still have my HBO Max subscription for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't cancel it and then have to get it back again. But I've got my parents, I've, I've uh, realized my trick now is I only recommend HBO Max shows to them. So that way they just keep the subscription going. And I'm like, oh, this next show you need to watch, it's on HBO Max. And then they're like, oh, so now I need to subscribe for another month. So that's my little, oh my, uh, my little trick to anyone. If you ever want to, you know, scam, <laughs> scam people out of paying for your subscriptions is only recommend shows on those subscription platforms. But aside from that, in both shows, uh, both the show and the book, Celeste decides to raise her sons and 
I do love that because that's another part of the show that I really appreciated. And I watched a lot of it with my mom is I'm not a mother, but I feel like a lot of moms can relate to this constant worry about her children and wanting to do what's best for them despite all of their own craziness. And I know for myself watching it, you know, as someone's child and not being a mother, like seeing, you know, at least growing up, I always felt like my mom was my mom. That would, That's all she had going on in her life. But you see in this show that the kids don't even see this other side of who their parents are. Like the kids don't know that Madeline has an affair. The kids don't know that uh, their mother and father have an extremely violent marriage. And I think it just, it's interesting to look at it from the child's perspective, because I think in a way that's almost how we would view their characters is like, oh, they're moms and they go to school and they bring their kids and they worry about that and they have their jobs. But as viewers, you learn more and more and you see that they're so much more of a person and they have so many other issues along with worrying about their kids and their job and stuff like that. And I mean, each of them have such complicated I don't want to keep using the word issues, but trials and tribulations, I guess, going on in their lives. And mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, for myself viewing it, I didn't necessarily relate to any of their stories in like a personal sense. Like, oh yeah, I've gone through that just because of the significant age difference of me and the characters. But I could still understand like this feeling of having so many things on your plate and having to you know, keep things under wrap, especially when they're trying to protect their children from it. Or, you know, so many people are intertwined that things are getting really messy. Then again, I just, I think that's a credit to the genius writing and the story structure that they have going on in this. So a thing that was highlighted in the show is the kids. So the driving force in season one was Jane and her son Ziggy, you know, going to this new town and Ziggy is framed as being a bully. Uh, beating up this little girl who was Renata's child, played by Laura Dern. And by the end of the show, you realize that Ziggy was not the bully, but the victim. And the real bully was Perry's kids, or kid, one of the, one of the twins. And he learned by watching his dad beat up his mom. And he thought that was okay behavior. And he started doing that to his classmates. And that's not good. That's like a nightmare for any parent to see. Like, not only to have this bad relationship, but then it's affecting your kids. Like, you don't want your kids to pick up bad behaviors. You want your kids to be like the perfect, like, you know, they're, they're little balls where you can morph them and mold them into like who you want them to be or who society wants them to be. Like, oh, good citizens. You don't want them to pick up abusive behaviors when they're kids because then that's going to manifest into when they're adults and it's going to get worse. And that's not good. And uh, Celeste saw that and she was like, uh-uh, now I need to leave. Now I have a reason to leave because it's affecting my kids. Yeah, that's such a turning point. And it also plays with an interesting idea of nature versus nurture because as we learn, Ziggy, the little boy who's getting hurt, he has the same father 
as the kid who's hurting him. And that I, I've been so fascinated with the idea of nature versus nurture because there's a wonderful documentary, Three Identical Strangers. And if anyone has not oh. seen that, I believe it's on it's, HBO Max. No, I think it's on Hulu, <laughs> or at least it was for a while, but that is – I won't go into it because I will completely spoil it by even saying a sentence, but that documentary plays on the idea of growing up in different households or being born from the same family. I can't recommend it enough, and that's all I can say without spoiling it, but it plays with the idea of they all have the same father – but they grew up in different households and they're mm. acting differently. And like you said, you learn from what you see. And yeah. these children, I believe they're in kindergarten. So what, or maybe by the time this happens, they're first grade, but th this is what they think is, is how you love someone or how you discipline someone. And I think that's, that's another very, very difficult thing to see in the show, but it's such a turning point and eye opening moment for Celeste I think that helps her put herself aside from this situation. And rather than like, oh, I have to protect the boys, I have to protect the boys. It almost it almost takes her out of that like Stockholm syndrome moment of like staying with her abuser. Mm -hmm. Now that she knows, I think she's up until this point, she has almost accepted it because it'll keep the family together and it's only hurting her. But now she's seeing a ripple effect and she's seeing if I stay in this, it's not only hurting me, but now it's hurting my children and the children around them. And it could potentially majorly affect the children for the rest of their lives if this is what they grow up learning. And uh, again, I, I can't praise it enough. The genius writing. I I love this other tie into things and um, tying the boys together because then they later find out that they're brothers and we kind of see Meryl Streep's character being with Ziggy because now she realizes that's her grandson. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, with Perry, the other driving force in season one is his death or murder or manslaughter however you want to look at it, he dies. He's, kind of, he's not a good guy. No. You know, it, it's kind of like this, he has like this charm to him because, you know, he's good looking, he's very charismatic, but like on the inside, he's very disgusting, depraved human being. And what he does is, so he goes on these, I think he's like a finance person. I don't really know what he does, but he, he makes a lot of money. So he goes on these business trips and he sleeps around with other women behind Celeste's back. And it's kind of like this father figure. It's like, oh, and I love it in the book because like he goes on Facebook and he like posts like these inspirational quotes and like this <laughs> picture perfect family. We all know those people. Like I remember, I'm not going to name names, but like there is this family in my area that always put up like these beautiful photos of their family, like picture perfect kids and this perfect marriage. And somebody close to them was like, yeah, well, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors or, you know, this and that. I'm not, you know, alleging anything, but it's like, you know, it's not You need to make that a TV is. show. <laughs> That's a good plot. <laughs> no, don't exploit them. No, no, no. <laughs> No, I'm going to say is Naperville, Illinois. 
is a bunch of it's like big little lies come to life like it's, it's crazy it's true because you know i'm i'm from chicago so i oh there you go i completely understand say no yeah. more <laughs> so yeah so he ends up getting killed by bonnie who is okay so madeline was married to nathan they broke up they divorced and he remarried this yoga instructor this hippie person and she discovers that perry is you know abusive piece of shit and you know sleeping around cheating on nicole kidman and she in a fit of rage pushes him but what she did not expect is him to go tumbling down to his death and he ends up dying and the ladies react not the best way they all create a conspiracy which is this did not happen i didn't i didn't see anything happen this was an accident and that's the the plot of season 2 i mean the, i feel like we see that bonnie did this because similarly to perry's children where they take the actions that their father did not in the same way but bonnie grew up in also a violent home and this triggers her and her ptsd and causes her to act upon with the situation and again it plays into that whole idea of you don't really know somebody's full backstory i don't think the other women knew i think bonnie in a way was sort of on the outside because she was really only connected in this group because she was like the stepmom but there's a weird dynamic between her and madeline because it's like the new the new girl that her ex is with and she's younger and she's the yoga instructor and you know seemingly cooler and uh but I don't I don't think any of them would have known this about Bonnie that she grew up in this household. And I think it's just very interesting how it plays upon the idea of you don't know somebody's full story. You don't know what kind of home people come from. Mm -hmm. And I think everything that this show plays upon is like what you think of at surface level is not the same when you look at it deeper, like all of these characters and the plot lines and how everything intertwines. When you look at it from afar, it's like, oh yeah, like Bonnie, she's the yoga instructor, whatever. But why did she do that? And then when you find out more about somebody, you understand why they had these actions or, you know, it makes me think about like when I went to college and I started meeting people from, you know, not just my small town who grew up around the same things as me, why people, you know, may react to things a certain way. It's really because of their past and your past makes up who you are. And we talked about this in normal people in how her past relationships and with her parents that affected her future relationships. And I always think that's something interesting to go back to is like, how we grow up really builds us as a person. And even though we can try so hard to leave that past self, that's always going to be a part of us because that's all we know. That's what we grew up with. And mm -hmm. you know, for 18 years, that's what you knew. And it's hard to reverse that. So I think, of course, Bonnie's character, I'm sure, has gone through lots of therapy and she's a yoga instructor and probably meditates a lot and has dealt with this. But at the end of the day, something like that that's so triggering you can't change what she grew up with you know right 
And that's what I really appreciate with the TV show is that the book has all these characters and I don't think they even hint at these types of struggles. And it's the show that builds upon those characters, that fleshes them all out. They all have their struggles. They all have their own story. And I truly appreciate that because, like, you know, I really enjoyed the book, but, like, the TV show is so much better. Because, like, like I said, what really drew me in wasn't the murder of Perry. It wasn't, you know, figuring out who did it, but the relationships and how all of these characters' stories intertwine and how it represents the struggles that an average American or an average person goes through. Like, it's, it's a very real story, but it doesn't, like, sensationalize it. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, my God, and then he took the knife, and he killed. It's like, no, it's just, it's a very real, it's a drama. It's the drama of our lives, as you could say. Absolutely. And I think that's the great part about seeing the story come to life on a screen. You know, sometimes with a book, more sensational storylines can happen because, you know, they're just words on a page and you can create the images in your head. But when you're watching the show, you're forced to look these real life people in the eye. Mm-hmm. So makes it more real. It makes it so much more real. And yeah, I, I think that's why this story translated so well to a television series because it's real and it stings when you see all of these terrible things that have happened to people, but then they continue to go on and do terrible things. And oh, makes you stop for a moment too and like look at your own life and you're like is there stuff like this going on around me right now that i just don't know about right because like we have like blinders on because like we sometimes we get like hyper focused on like you know our lives and what's going on in our life maybe that we don't notice say what a friend is going through or a loved one or even worse yourself like oh am i is this me i hope Mm -hmm. not makes you reevaluate and kind of pick up your head and look around like, oh, okay. So let's quickly talk about the ending of season two, because like, I'm curious where this story will go next, because with season two, the whole thing was like, they're investigating who killed Perry, who killed Perry. Cause like nothing's adding up with this testimony from all these different women. And by the end of the show, they turn themselves in. Oh, it left me on such a cliffhanger. <laughs> and I feel like, oh, I want to know what's going to happen next. Which, I again, they did in season one and makes me want to keep watching. I don't know. I didn't really know how to feel as an audience because in a way it was like, okay, they're finally admitting to it. But also I was kind of enjoying them like, not admitting to it and following that (laughs) so seeing them like kind of tiptoeing around the whole thing was very fascinating so i don't know maybe season three i'm sure that they'll make it very interesting and 
I don't know. I'm, I'm personally like not super interested to see any of them like go to jail and then like visit each other in jail or something. <laughs> I don't – it's not like a storyline that I'm super like interested about. So we'll see how that goes. But – Yeah. Orange is the New Black, season three. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see and – I don't know. I'm worried because I really think I'm going to have to rewatch season one and season two to prepare for season three, because if they haven't even started filming it, it's it's going to be a while. But I will be there. I will be there watching because I do need to know what, what's going to happen after the way that season two ended. So they left us at a good spot, I have to say. They did. There's part of me that does want it to just stay as it is. I like an ambiguous ending. I like not knowing <laughs> everything and i i do worry that if if we do know more like what if that's more that i didn't want to know or like what happens to these characters becomes right. you know unrealistic i don't know i would love to see these performances again and to you know see more of meryl streep playing with necklaces or something <laughs> i mean yeah. even just for a moment I don't know. I think I'm kind of in the camp of if I want to see it again, I'll just rewatch it because I think it's a totally rewatchable series. It is because like the focus isn't on the whodunit mystery aspect. I think if it feels like mystery focused. I think rewatchability would go down. Mm -hmm. But like watching these relationships be front and center, it makes it more enticing to watch over and over again and to see their not only acting chops at play, but also these stories being told on screen. But I, I'm i in your camp, Hope. Like, I did like the ending of season two. I thought it was a fitting end. Like, oh, now they're turning themselves in. The end. Kind of like normal people. Like, Right. <laughs> do we need to know if Connell goes to New York and has a prolific writing career? No. Will he get back with Marianne? I don't know. But, you know, just leave it open-ended. Like, use your, you know, like, it's a story in your head now. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm curious to see, like, maybe it's like a, a trial situation. That would be kind of cool. That'd because, be cool. like, they lied under oath. That's a federal offense. That's pretty bad. And they falsified police documents because they lied about the, the killing of Perry. That's bad, too. And Bonnie manslaughter it's not murder she didn't intend to kill him but like that's all that's all bit pretty bad stuff <laughs> so i'd be curious how they get out of it if they do get out of it yeah i have no idea how they could get out of it and i think the problem that i'm toying with is i want them to get out of it and i feel like if they do get out of it and it goes the way that i want it's just not gonna make any sense because in what <laughs> world would it necessarily be okay to like I, I don't know how much time has passed, but like at least six months or something, like lie about this mm. situation. And I, I also have this slight fear that, you know, don't keep going on what's good. Just leave it at a good point. And like, mm -hmm. of course, I'm I'm greedy and I want more of these performances. <laughs> but I think like you guys said, I I could just keep rewatching this, honestly. And watching the show I, I, when i watched season one again of course i knew that 
you know, Perry dies and he's an abuser and Ziggy is his child and Bonnie killed him. And I knew all these things, but I was still so invested because I was like, ooh, now looking at it from a different perspective and now knowing what had happened and just the performances, like I could just rewatch over and over again. And I I mentioned this to my mom. I remember when I first watched it is like, I don't know many shows where you're watching a character and watching an actor and you're so invested that you're not, I don't know. I find like so many times I'm more interested in somebody else's performance where I'm like, Oh, can we go back to the other one? Like, I love that. I love their scenes. You know, I'm more interested in like that character and like that actor's performance but every character in this, like I am so invested in, I'm, I get excited when it's a scene with them. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a scene with Renata. I was waiting to see what was going to happen. Or, oh my gosh, it's Celeste again. Like I get excited to see each character come onto the screen again. And maybe that's just because I'm like an acting nerd. And I think these performances are like a masterclass, but it, <laughs> I just am so excited with every scene. It's never like disappointing. Like, oh, it's like a scene with this person again. Like, haven't we had enough? And I feel like if it goes into this like trial and like police officer jail thing, I'm just going to lose interest, honestly. Yeah. Leave them wanting more. Don't mm-hmm. overstay your welcome. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're going to talk about season five of Big Little Lies in <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I will gladly do that. Oh, my God. Okay. So to end the show. Here on Syndicate, we like to do one reason why. What is the one reason you'll give somebody to watch Big Little Lies? Hope I'll start with you. One reason I'm giving people to watch Big Little Lies is for the fantastic performances. Honestly, it's a masterclass in good entertainment, whether you're in the industry and you understand it or not. This is a total bar setter for entertainment going forward. I agree. The one reason I would give someone to watch the show, I'm trying to think of what I have said to all my friends when I tell them to watch this, but I think it's the storytelling and the way that the story unravels. I wanted each season to be longer. And each episode is like, I want to say they're like 40 minutes and it's like eight episodes per season. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like that's what it kind of was. And I wanted it to be longer. I wanted to know more. And I, it just, it unravels in such a perfect way and keeps the audience so interested. And I know people in my life who watch this show. And when they told me, I was like, no, you didn't watch Big Little Lies. You were thinking about the same show. Like just people that didn't seem like they would be watching this. I'm not trying to judge them. People, great job. I'm, I'm glad you watched this show. But like, I don't know anyone who doesn't love this show. And like, I can I, literally two people close to me in my life who I've had conversations with them. And I'm like, I'm so glad that you enjoyed this. You're not someone I would expect to like be loving an HBO drama, but I'm glad that you did. And I think it's the storytelling and the unraveling of the messy ties that are in this town. Yeah. Like, and I'm going to have a combination of you two, (laughs) which is. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Uh, The storytelling plus the acting creates this message that people can resonate with which is you're not alone and the final line of the book, which is it can happen to anyone. And it's true. Like the stories, like everything that happens in this show, it can happen to me, to you, dear listener, anybody. And it's a reminder that you are not alone in this. And like you do have representation in this fantastically uh, directed acted, produced TV show, Big Little Lies. And yeah, I I think it's a a must watch. It's definitely a homework assignment for a lot of people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If I mean, now I'm coming up with another reason, but if anything, watch this (laughs) and watch it with someone else or have someone else watch it. So if anything, you can have discussions about it. I don't know if it comes in every copy, but the copy of my book that I have has discussion questions at the end of it because I can imagine that this is probably a very popular book for like women's middle-aged book clubs. Uh, And it (laughs) it has discussions in the back and it has questions. And just looking at that, I was like, you know, this is here we are having a lengthy discussion about it. And I'm so grateful mm-hmm. that we are because I think it's it has such important stories and people should be talking about these sort of situations. So if anything, watch it so you can have discussions and talk about important issues that maybe aren't so hard to talk about because it's fictional characters, but still talking about these sort of issues. So in other words, buy the DVD. but that's it for this time on syndicate we hope you enjoyed yourself we've been talking about big little lies by lane moriarty please check it out where it is available and now i'd like to take a moment to thank my guests hope and madeline for coming on to the show thank you so much for having us i'm so glad that we were able to come back on and talk about another show that we love so much and uh hope to join you again sometime soon yes thank you so much for letting us talk about fantastic strong female characters again because you know it's kind of our thing yeah thank you for recommending this great show and you two are welcome back anytime 
So given the subject matter of this episode, if you or a loved one have been personally affected by the themes of this discussion, remember there is help out there with the National Domestic Violence Hotline. It is free, confidential, and 24-7 at 1-800-799-SAFE. That is 1-800-799-7233. Or chat online at thehotline.org. But if you'd like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate, that is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E, Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have questions or film recommendations? Please send us your emails to info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. Did you